Running the option on first down. Hagan has it. He has Rome. He's got one man to beat. Now he pitches to Flanagan, and he may take it all the way. Flanagan's in for the touchdown. McKinley Wright from the logo. Got it. Oh, McKinley Wright. Welcome into the DNVR Buffs podcast presented by the American Raptors. I'm Henry Chisholm, and today we have two things that we're going to talk about, which is fun because typically finding one thing to talk about can be a bit of a struggle. But uh, yeah, two things to talk about today. Uh, we're going to start with uh, CBS Sports. So I guess this is just list season over at CBS Sports, which is awesome because right now is the season for me to be caring about lists. They put out their list of the best Power 5 coaches. And they actually didn't include the top 25. It only goes 26 to 65. And then I guess at some point, Tom Fernelli is going to put out the rest of his list. Luckily for us, uh, our guy Carl Durrell did not make the top 25 head coaches. And so we get to talk about this list today. And then we'll circle back with the Pac-12 notes later on. So we're going to run through where the Pac-12 fits in here Um you know, we'd touch on some old friends. There's one old friend in particular who's not on this list, though. So we'll talk about him when the second half drops, which I would imagine to be soon. Who knows? I mean, you could drop it today. You could drop it tomorrow. You could drop it in two months, and it'd be just as relevant. But, uh, yeah, we're going to start there. Then I was also inspired by uh, my guy Zach Stevens on the Broncos beat. He wants to – I'm actually really spoiling something that's coming next week, which I shouldn't. Um, but basically, they're going through and saying, like, which which player would you steal from each AFC West team for the Broncos? I was like, huh, good idea. Let's, uh, let's, let's see who would we steal to join the Colorado Buffaloes from every other Pac-12 school. And um, important stipulation – is that you can't pick a quarterback because otherwise just about every team you'd pick the quarterback, which is not great. But, uh, oh, speaking of which, I should touch on this too, I guess. This counts as a note. Uh, John Wilner, our guy the uh, from the Pac-12 hotline, has more Pac-12 connections than maybe any other reporter. Um, he put out his list of the the top quarterbacks in the conference or quarterback situations is how he put it. So it did factor in depth a little bit, just ranked him one to 12. We're not going to run through all of that. Um, although, you know, I might regret saying this tomorrow when it's two o'clock and I'm like, okay, I still haven't had any good ideas. I've Googled Colorado Buffaloes. I've Googled PAC 12. I've Googled college football over and over and over and over and over again. And I don't have a, but yeah, I might regret this tomorrow, but we're just going to spoil this list and say, we're not going to talk about it. The Buffs did finish 12th there. I mean, again, it's, as he said, it was an easy decision. And from our perspective, I think it's easy to see why. So that kind of plays into why we aren't just going to take the quarterback from these other teams because 
then we'd just be making a list of Pac-12 quarterbacks. Um, let's jump in. There's really no other notes. I mean, we, we talked about the, the new basketball player yesterday, Javon Hardy. Hadley. Hadley. There you go. I, I thought I was going to have to look it up. Javon Hadley. This is, this is how these things work is like you see the name come through and you're like, who the hell is this guy? And then when you try to Google him, you're like, wait, what was his name again? And then you Google him like twice and you get like, Javon, there's an apostrophe. How does he spell it? And and then eventually you write it and you say it enough. I think now I have that name locked in, a name I'll remember forever. And uh, hopefully it's worth remembering. Um, but yeah, Javon Hadley committed yesterday. If you want some notes there, feel free to go look. I know that uh, Pat Rooney of the Boulder Daily Camera he actually talked to Tad Boyle, had some quotes uh, from Tad, and not to toot my own horn, but he said a lot of the same things that I said about Javon, which is that he's just kind of a well-rounded, good defender, a ready-to-play type of guy, and he said that with Jabari still up in the air, you, you kind of just need somebody who's ready to go who can fill in. Uh, he did say he's a little bit undersized, which is interesting, just that word, because you look at me six foot six. You're like, well, if he's playing the two, he's he's a little bit oversized. If he's playing the three, that may be undersized. And if he's playing the four, he's absolutely undersized. But I don't think there's much chance of that happening. Um, so I, I read that as him being more of a three than a two. But maybe we're digging a little bit too deep right now. We'll 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 dig into basketball a little bit more when we figure out what's up with Jabari. And and we'll follow the NBA Combine, which I believe is about to get underway let's see today's the 17th you you hear all these dates yeah it started yesterday um and ends on sunday so it's a full seven days and uh, imagine yesterday is just like measurements today is probably just interviews um and i wonder oh here's a question is it on tv so starting on thursday thursday is the first day of coverage espn news from one to three um espn two from three to four and then it's also on on Friday. So, so we'll be tuned in to that because, again, what else are we doing right now? Um, so, yeah, there's, there's kind of the notes. No new commitments. No new departures. I guess we never said Bobby Clintman is, is headed to Wake Forest. You know, if you only get your Buffs news from this one podcast, then you didn't know that. Um, but that that was over the weekend, or maybe it was even on Friday that that happened. Um, again, sucks that you couldn't get him to Boulder. Just little behind-the-scenes things just didn't quite fit. Uh, wound up having to make a move, but he found his home, and the Buffs moved on and added Javon Hadley. There we go, Javon Hadley. Um, again, did not have to look at my computer or anything. Um, just want to put that on the record. But, uh, yeah, there we go. There's the notes. And now, let's jump in to CBS Sports's and, and in particular so the way this works is they they have voters so they they put out uh, they said a panel so they didn't say how many people were on the panel but it is a panel they all rank them how they think they average them they, there are no parameters for how they should be ranked could be just based on records or accomplishments or, or what they think they'll accomplish or have they lived up to the expectations that's what he has to say, um, but this that's how this works. Is It should just be a pretty unbiased ranking of the top 65 coaches. It is compiled by Tom Fernelli of CBS Sports. We'll say that one more time, and I think with that, we can jump in. Um, 
we're going to touch on some of the notable stuff is the plan. Obviously, everything Pac-12 related is notable. Um, but, you know, like number 65, Brent Pry, Virginia Tech. Um, just he's, he's never been a head coach before. And he said that means he's going to start all the way down at the bottom. Looks like a bunch of the, the other voters felt the same way. Um, you have to order all these new coaches. Um, but it, it is kind of this stretch of, I mean, last place is Virginia Tech's new coach, Brent Pry. Second to last, Mike Elko's, uh, which is Duke's new coach. Uh, 63, Washington State. Uh, he said, I had Dickert ranked, his name is Jake Dickert. We should say these things. He said, I had Dickert ranked ahead of the other first-time head coaches on my ballot because he has a track record. He coached the Cougars for six games last season after Nick Rolovich was let go and went 3-3, three and three, including a 3-1 three and one mark in the Pac-12. Considering the difficult situation he inherited, that's a promising start. That's fair. That's fair. Um, we move along, though. Another another uh, brand-new head coach, Texas Tech's Joey McGuire is at 62. And then the first returning head coach, Jed Fish from Arizona, which is an interesting place. And we'll, we'll read what this has to say first. Uh, but the second-year coach inherited an Arizona program that was in shambles last season, and it showed in the team's record. The Wildcats went 1-11 in Fish's debut, and even though he moves up three spots in the rankings, it's only because he has experience now. Even so, he's still ranked behind other coaches yet to coach a game. That's interesting, right? Uh, I mean, just based on how the media is kind of treating this Arizona program, uh, they're, they're treating them like they're going to be competing for a bowl game, right? And if you're taking uh, a team that has lost as many games as Arizona lost... And you've added all these transfers. You know the quarterback, Jaden Delora from Washington State. John Wilner had him as the number four quarterback in the entire conference. So, or, or I mean, quarterback situation, but obviously he's the headliner there. Um, so, so with with the trends that are happening and the pieces they're bringing in and, and just kind of momentum, I kind of thought that all of that would push Jed Fish up a little bit more. Um, but he is not pushed up really that much at all. It goes from sixty four to sixty one this year. Uh, we'll skip number 60, go to number 59. This one's n- notable. Uh, Carl Durrell. And it says, after finishing 4-2 and is one of the bigger surprises of a strange 2020 season altered by COVID-19. Durrell's Buffaloes fell to 4-8 in 2021, placing 5th in the Pac-12 South ahead of only Arizona. It's no surprise to see Durrell fall a bit in the ranking because of it. He went from 54 to 59. Um, again, like... Can I argue this? Not really. I, I think that when you're just looking at Power 5 schools, I'm. let me just see who else is around here. Jeff Collins, Clark Lee at number 57. He's struggled, um, but people are still excited about him. Dino Babers at Syracuse in front of him. It, it's it's tough to make a, a super strong case, you know, for, for Carl to reach the top 50. You know, 57 or 59, obviously you could get into the weeds there. Um, but given where the program is right now, it's tough. And the one way you do it is to say, look at what happened in 2020. I mean, he went to, what, the second bowl game in a decade at Colorado, was the national coach of the year, all those sorts of things. Um, but, again, we, we know that that schedule was a little bit lighter, just kind of a weird circumstance all the way around. Plus... You have these transfers leave. It's just kind of bad vibes. It's 
not a huge surprise, right, that Carl Durrell's fitting in here at number 59. Um, looking through the rest of the Pac-12, though, next up, Herm Edwards at number 55. Um, no coach fell further in the rankings this year in Edwards. He was actually, he fell from 21 to 55. That's not great. Obviously, there's a bunch of things happening off the field. There's a bunch of transfers leaving. Um, it's uh, it, the, the program is in rough shape. The program's in rough shape right now, um, which is crazy considering just how high everybody was on them a year or two ago, um, or at least I was. I thought they were the best team in the Pac-12 South. I thought they had a quarterback who was going to lead them to some pretty big things. Um, not so much anymore. Uh, number 54, Dan Lanning. At Oregon, um, you know this is, the, I think, the second highest of all the new coaches um, or coaches at new schools. So that's definitely notable. Um, yeah, I mean, it's a good defense. It's always just interesting. I, mean, I feel like with all these new coaches, you do have to kind of put them down at the end when you're doing these sorts of things. I'd be curious what the rankings look like if you're not just looking at the Power Five. You know, obviously you have like a Cincinnati that fits in there or like Notre Dame. Is Notre Dame even in here? Yeah, it is, which is interesting because there's no conference, right? So, but but the, the point is like how how highly would Dan Lanning rank if you included all 131 schools? You know, where would Carl rank? Is he still hovering around like 65 or so or does he slip a lot further than that? Um, I'd, I'd personally be very curious, but yeah, Dan Lanning at Oregon is, uh, at number 54 and next up is, Oh, notable Scott Frost at number 53. Um, he was, do we have a rank here? No, did, didn't see where it started. Um, but it does say that he was ranked pretty highly after he went to Nebraska from UCF but has fallen in these rankings every year that he's been in Nebraska. This year he fell from 47 to 53. Um, obviously notable. Uh, 51, Kalen DeBoer at Washington. Uh, he's the new coach there. Uh, what's he, 12 and 6 in two seasons at Fresno State. He was 67 and 3 at an NAIA school with uh, three national titles. Offensive mind, we'll see what happens. Uh, this is, and that's a lot higher than I would have expected. You know, is he... Having him in front of uh, Dan Lanning is interesting to me because, I mean, for a bunch of reasons. But I, I I think he's, I'm excited to see what he does as well. Say I'm excited to see what he does. You know, you bring in Michael Penix there. Well, we'll see what, what Washington looks like this season. Um, yeah, leave it at that. Um, Cal. Number 44, Justin Wilcox, um, said uh, is a perfectly rated coach. Always seems like he's a little bit underrated. Um, he he was 1-3 in the COVID year, 5-7 and seven last year, was 15-11 and 11 in those two seasons prior. Tough to find a place for him. Falls from 38 to 44. I mean, it feels to me like he's still just really tough to grade. You know, he's there's obviously highs, there's obviously lows. If you want to make a case for him to be where Carl is, I think it'd be pretty easy to do. If you wanted to look at the defense that he runs and say, hey, that's somebody that, you know, who's who's in front of him? Uh, Brett Bielema at Illinois is at uh, 38. Like, would they take would 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 they take uh, Justin Wilcox over Bielema there? 
I wouldn't be surprised, right, with with the defense that he runs and, and all that sort of stuff. So, uh, tough one to place. Definitely a little bit higher than I anticipated, though, would be my thought. Um, next up, at number 37, Jonathan Smith at Oregon State. Um, and, and, and this one does say, CBS Sports voters have always been vi- big fans of Smith. Uh, it certainly wasn't going to change after he led the Beavers to their first bowl game since 2013. Um, slow and steady climb, but they recovered from taking a step back during the pandemic year. Got to a bowl, winning record in the Pac-12. Uh, it's the first time since 2012 that that's happened. He jumps from 56 to 37. Again, I, I, I've made it pretty clear on this podcast, I'm not totally bought into the Oregon State hype, but everybody else seems to be, and I wonder if I'm just wrong on this. But I guess I always look at the Pac-12 in terms of tiers. And what Oregon State has done, in my mind, is go from kind of the bottom of their tier to the top of their tier. So, you know, you still have the big dogs up at the top. You know, USC was at the bottom of that group with Utah and Oregon up at the top. Um, You know, Washington came out of that last year. Um, but, But then you have, like, this wide middle group and then this lower end group that's maybe like teams 8 through 12. And that's where Colorado is fit in. And that's where Oregon State's fit in. And Arizona's fit in. And um, I mean, who else would you include? That's tough. Maybe maybe it's just those three. But, but to me, it, it does seem like, yeah, he took Oregon State from being like the 11th best team to the 7th best team, 8th best team. And now it's like, can you, can you at least tread water there? Can you at least back up being the 7th best team in the Pac-12? Or They finished better than that last year. But when you just watch them and think about them and look at the numbers and those sorts of things you know are they really going to keep trending up or was that just a good year you know so we'll see but everybody else seems higher on them now if they go and they finish whatever six and three in pac 12 play i'm gonna i'm gonna have to take a lot of things back um interesting though 37 for jonathan smith um 29 David Shaw, and he's been one, it says, you know, steady decline in the last few years. Um, He was pretty firmly inside the top 10. He was even at number 15 in the 2020 rankings, Uh, but they've been 11 and 19 in the last three seasons. Top 20 recruiting class this year after a pretty rough one the year before um, falls from 24 to 29. Again, like like it is interesting to see where people rank these guys because David Shaw is another one where, he was one of the college football coaches five, six, seven years ago, whatever. And th- that program has just not been that good in the last couple seasons. Um, so is he going to revive it? Is he not? Like those are those are the big questions that will obviously determine where he winds up falling on this list next year and the year after, year after that. But as of right now, he's just a tough one to place because obviously he's done it before. You know, is, is the modern pro style, is, is pro style offense just out of, touch at this point is it does it just not work is he does he need to make some changes to that like maybe that's it maybe they've just had some bad luck it's again if you want to make a case for David Shaw be a top 20 coach you could do that if you want to make a case for him right now being 45 50 you could make that case as well so again always interesting to see where you sick it does seem like you you move up faster than you fall you know, if 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 you're if you make a name for yourself, it's a lot tougher to move back down the list afterward. You know, moving up is 
I mean, hey, Jonathan Smith. How many spots did Jonathan Smith jump? Uh, he, he took Oregon State to a bowl game for the first time in whatever ten years, nine years. Jump from fifty six to thirty seven. Now, if he does it again, holds himself up close to that top thirty, then when things go wrong for a couple of years, he's not going to fall quite so much. Is how I see it. But um, David Shaw, an interesting one, an interesting one for sure. Um, speaking of that, I mean, at twenty eight, one spot in front of David Shaw is Chip Kelly. Um, who they just had their best season, eight and four, um, came close to the division title. Uh, ooh, this also says they followed up with one of the strongest transfer halls in the country, which I actually hadn't heard all that much about. I'm gonna have to look into that. But um, another, I mean, where does Chip Kelly fit? As this says, like it took longer than most expected to to fix things. Everybody was very low on Chip Kelly when I took over, or when I took this job before the 2019 season, and and now people are rising. And I think that when you're Chip Kelly and things are going well, it's easy to be like, yeah, you know, he does know his football, right? Like, like it's easy to buy in, um, at, at least for outsiders. Like, I think Colorado fans don't feel that way just because they're so used to playing him. It's like, yeah, yeah, this guy, screw this guy. But um, yeah, 28 for Chip Kelly. Chip Kelly in front of David Shaw. I think I'd have David Shaw in front of Chip Kelly. But I do think that a lot of this, you know, just if, if we were making tiers of Pac-12 coaches, I think both those guys are in, in front of Jonathan Smith. Like if Jonathan Smith keeps this rise going, then things could change pretty quickly here. I think he's in position to do that. But but once you get past, you know, the David Shaw, the, the Chip Kelly, and look at, you know, the, the Jonathan Smith, the Justin Wilcox, the even Kalen DeBoer was up there high. Dan Lanning's up there high. Maybe there maybe there are is more separation, but I do think that these two, in terms of ranking inside the conference, are in probably the right spot. Um, and those are the the last two Pac twelve teams. So obviously there's there's a couple that we haven't heard from um inside the Pac twelve, and that's obviously Kyle Whittingham at USC. That's Lincoln Riley, or sorry, Kyle Whittingham at Utah and Lincoln Riley at USC. So, yeah, I'm curious. I'm curious to see where people put them. I mean, Lincoln Riley to me was he. I would have had him top three when he was at Oklahoma. Um, you know, I think you have to have Nick Saban in in the number one spot. I don't know how you could justify anything else. And then you uh, you you look to Clemson and Dabo Sweeney. Say like, ah, it, last year knocked him down a little bit, that's for sure. Lincoln Riley's right there. In terms of offensive minds, like to me, he might be the best offensive mind alive. Like you have to look at the Kyle Shanahan, Sean McVay, like maybe Andy Reid fits in there. Um, College-wise, college-wise, I don't know that there's anybody who compares. College-wise, Lincoln Riley is the best. And, and so I guess it depends on what you're looking for, right? Like if, if you're going X's and O's over everything, I think that Lincoln Riley could probably impact your winning X's and O's wise better than any other coach in the country uh, offensively. You know, you look at like the Nick Saban defense and, and a bunch of those other guys and, and that could balance out. But when you're looking at just pure offense, offensive X's and O's ability, Lincoln Riley is top five alive and number one, I think pretty easily in college football. But we'll see what happens when you go to U, when you go to USC. Like that's that's going to be a challenge. Um, Mike Leach is at number 26, by the way, at Mississippi State. 
Um, I think that does it. I think that does it. Um, we'll, we'll, like I said, kind of recap where these other two guys fall pretty briefly when the rest of this list comes out. Um, but before we get into which players we would poach from the rest of the Pac-12 teams, I do want to talk about a couple of our friends. First of all, DraftKings Sportsbook. I'm really fired up. Um, I, I jumped on the DMVR Bet Show for like two minutes today just for an Avs same game parlay because the Avs are back. And I just, I'm having trouble putting into words how excited I am. I'm going to the game, of course. I'm going tonight. I'm going again on Thursday. Um, it's a shame that they're not going to be able to play this game five here in Denver. Otherwise, I'd be at that one too. I'm fired up and I'm going to make some, some money. Sorry, the hiccups because here's another thing. Here's another thing. And we'll get back to Breck, or not, sorry, to DraftKings. Um, I, I've been drinking this coffee that I get from the grocery store and, and it comes in like the, a big bottle, a big jug sort of, and it probably has like five cups of coffee in it. Maybe it's, it's Starbucks and it's Starbucks, like cold brew coffee. I drink it and I swear it makes me more tired and I'm through one and a half of them. And I just don't understand. So I had to actually go, it's like four 30 now. I had to go walk over to Starbucks and get some real coffee. So I'd have some real energy in this. And it was, it's a weird thing that's been happening to me recently. I think that coffee works backwards. Um, this was related somehow. The point is I'm really excited in part because I'm in the middle of a massive cold brew. And so I'm going to be just a little bit insane when over the next few hours going to grill and stuff beforehand and going to the game. But, uh, DraftKings Sportsbook is going to make tonight even more fun, more fun than this coffee is. So definitely get in on that. If you're looking for bets, I mean, Nathan McKinnon to score goals in these is just incredible value like you get plus money on him to get a goal I think he had goals in three of the four games I think he had the first goal in at least two of them yeah he had the first goal in two of them which you can get at like 11 12 13 to 1 odds something like that and uh he had a goal in game four I don't think he got one in game three I might be wrong but I don't think he got one in game three but he's batting I mean that's 75 percent of the games and if he was doing it in half the games then you'd be getting money too because it's plus value. So Nathan McKinnon to score goals. Kale McCarr to score power play points. That's another one that's just a lock. Because if they score on the power play, which they typically do at least once, Kale is running everything. Like the odds that they make two passes that leading up to the shot that don't include him is crazy. But so many good bets to make. If you're a new user, you can get in on this NBA stuff too. You bet $5 on any team to win their next game. If you're right, you get $150 in free bets. It's an awesome promotion, and uh, now absolutely is the time to sign up because it's a, it's a lot of fun. And also, you can make money. What a great combination. So download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use the promo code DMVR and bet $5 on any NBA team to win their game. You'll get $150 in free bets if they do. That's promo code DMVR only at DraftKings Sportsbook. Must be 21 or older. Colorado only. New customers only. Minimum $5 deposit. Restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com Sportsbook for details. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-522-4700. Also, Escape Artist. Escape Artist is Colorado's most awarded, highest rated topical brand. And uh, you should absolutely try it if you're having, you know, it's it's mostly for muscle discomfort. So if your muscles don't feel right, you rub it on. And within 10 minutes, you'll, you'll start to feel the effects. The benefits last up to two to three hours. They come in different ratios, whether you want the one-to-one, -one, the high ratio CBD 20-to-one. 
Um, it, it's the best material, the best ingredients that give you a premium ex- experience. So get in on that. It's good stuff. If you are trying to try any of Escape Artist's uh, products, you can go to Colorado's premier dispensary. That's a light shade with 11 convenient Denver Metro and Aurora locations. The Barnum location is now open. It's a block off of 6th and Federal. It's the biggest light shade store with specialty products that are not offered at other locations. They offer something for everyone from the casual consumer to the connoisseur. They have a premium selection of cannabis concentrates, top shelf flour, edibles, tinctures, accessories, and more. Plus, podcast listeners can get 25% off all non-sale items with code DMVR. Shop online at lightshade.com for pickup or visit a light shade location near you. All righty. Um... Like I said, we're we're poaching other rosters from around the Pac-12, and we're going to go in alphabetical order here, not for any good reason except for it's fun. Remember, the only rule is that we cannot take a quarterback. As we start with Arizona, you know, the, the name that s- jumps off the page is Jaden Delora. It would be fun to add Jaden Delora to this roster. That's, uh, that's breaking the rule because otherwise this would not be all that fun. Um, at Arizona... You know, again, this isn't a roster that I feel like you want to take a lot of pieces from. There's there's more talented rosters in the Pac-12 is what we'll say. I think that because of that, you know, there's other teams that you look at and you're like, ooh, do we take this guy? Do we take that guy? With this one, I think you just go to the trenches. Um, we're going Peyton Fears. He was one of their highest graded players last year. Um, this year, he'll be a senior right tackle uh, for Arizona. Just add depth to that room. You know, he's he's probably going to start over one of the tackles you have now. And I think that, at the very least, you're adding good competition. You know, other names, you know, Jalen Harris stands out. Jalen Harris, the big brother of Jason Harris, um, would be a decent option, except that, you know, the, the Buffs have a, a bunch of defensive ends and edge rushers. And so you're just adding somebody to that group. Why not add another lineman? Um, and that, that was my strategy here. Uh, Arizona State. Uh, again, Emory Jones coming in from Florida to play quarterback. Can't take him. Um, who we can take, though, is Merlin Robertson. And, and Merlin Robertson is kind of that hybrid player. He plays the star for them. He could probably play linebacker as well. Um, and, and again, like when you just hear that, that, that's what you need, right? When you look at this defense is you need somebody who can be play play some of a safety role. Somebody who can, can be... A linebacker who can compete with, you know, Quinn Perry and, and all those guys. So, I mean, seven sacks, 237 tackles, four first forced fumbles, some pass deflections as well. Um, he's been, uh, he's he's been a, uh, uh, sorry, a Buckus. That's the award, Buckus Award watch list player. Um, just just a very good, well-rounded, experienced linebacker who I think would be valuable in that group. We're going with him. Um, yeah, and to be honest, I think that's a pretty obvious choice. Um, going to Cal. Cal is kind of a tough one. I think you, you definitely start by looking at the offensive linemen because um, they have a couple returners who are solid. But where I wind up going is with Daniel Scott, the safety. Um, he, he probably winds up taking Trevor Woods's spot. 
Um, played a whole bunch last year, wound up with 82 tackles, a sack, a forced fumble, a few interceptions, returned one for a touchdown, broke up a couple passes. Again, just a, a senior safety who you can plug in, and all of a sudden you have some stability on the back end of that defense. Um, and a little bit of versatility, too. I, th- I think Isaiah Lewis, you have to play at strong safety, so you probably play Daniel Scott deep. But you could have some conversations about like Isaiah Lewis at star. Honestly, Scott at star. But, but I do think that that's the direction that I would go here. Um, moving on to Oregon. At Oregon, you have a bunch of options. Ugh, a whole bunch of options. Um, offensively, you know, their best lineman, I think, think is probably Alex Forsyth. TJ Bass is also a, a solid option, um, but but I think Alex Forsyth stands out if you go offense. Again, he's a center. Um, I don't I don't think you want those receivers. No, if you go offense, it's it's definitely Alex Forsyth. Um, defensively, you have some options. Um, you know address the fact that Christian Gonzalez is on that defense. I think that he is a decent option. I probably wouldn't go that direction. I'd be more interested. I think Noah Sewell would be my number one, the linebacker who I think he's going to get drafted very early next year. Um, but Justin Flo, another uh, linebacker. Mace Funa, who's who's a little bit more experienced. Um, Jamal Hill, a defensive back in the slot. I, I'm going to go Noah Sewell here, but that's because he's one of my favorite players to watch. I might be just a little bit biased, but again, a Mike linebacker, they interest. They have him playing the money position. Um, but I guess with Justin Flo at the mic, that kind of makes sense. So uh, we're going defense. We're taking one of these linebackers. Next up, Oregon State. Um, one of the few teams that you maybe don't take the quarterback. You know, Chance Nolan is probably an upgrade. You know, he has some experience. He was he was better than Brendan Lewis was last year. Um, but is he enough better? Are you confident that he's enough better that you don't take somebody like Omar Spates, who's who we're taking, veteran linebacker? Um, again, like the the Buffs have options at linebacker, some exciting options for sure. But losing Nate Lamb and losing Carson Wells, if you can just find somebody who turns that position into a strength again, you absolutely take that. Um, 87 tackles last year, half a sack, recovered a couple fumbles, intercepted a couple passes. Like just a very well-rounded, maybe a little bit undersized linebacker, but mobile, can can fill the gaps inside still. That's, that's the easy answer if you can't take a quarterback. Yeah, it, a pretty easy answer. Um, Stanford. Stanford's another one. You know, Michael Wilson, receiver who's been there for a while, he stands out. One of the few receivers that I'd really consider when we go through this whole thing, but I do think when you look at Stanford, like, what's their strength? It's the offensive line. You know, Drake Nugent, Barrett Miller, um, Walter Rouse. There's, there's some options here. Um, if you had to pick one, uh, it's either Drake Nugent or it's Walter Rouse. I'm pretty confident in saying that those those two are probably the two you look at. Um, and I guess then, then it comes down to need, right? Do you want an interior guy? Do you want a tackle? I'd probably take the tackle. Sign me up for Walter Rouse. But I do want to just double-check. Defensively, Caillou Blue Kelly, the cornerback, he's, uh, he's one of the best in the conference, in my opinion. 
that would be a solid option. Ethan Bonner, I really like him as well. Another cornerback. It's down to Caillou Blue Kelly. No, we, we got to go Walter Rouse. The offensive line is just too much of a need. Um, UCLA. UCLA, we, uh, we have a couple of options. I think... Yeah, we're gonna go. We're gonna go in a different direction here. Um, we're going with Zach Charbonnet, and uh, the reason is, I mean, he's, in my opinion, the best running back in the conference. Um, I, I'd be curious if there's other opinions out there. Um, yeah, I, I, we're we're definitely. He gives you an identity, like just a big old power back like that, and you're not really short running I mean you're short numbers wise with running backs but you have good options um I think he's just that much of an upgrade that you're willing to ignore some of the other some of the other problems that that the roster has because again you hand him the ball he's going to break the first tackle just about every time and maybe that just is enough for you to get four yards per carry with a bad line five plus if you get a decent performance out of the line and that might be that might be a bet worth taking um, at the very least, like he'll just eat some snaps up. Uh, USC again, like uh, a bunch of options here. Whew. I mean, Tuli Tui Pelodu is one of the better defensive linemen. Nick Figueroa, I think, is pretty underrated. They bring in Shane Lee, the linebacker from Alabama, who I think is going to be good, but hasn't gotten many opportunities. Um, obviously, Makai Blackman is there. Brendan Rice is there, but Brendan isn't even the the, the top receiver I'd take. Um, we're going with Andrew Voorhees, though. What, I think, for my money, the best offensive lineman in, in the conference. Andrew Voorhees, uh, probably playing guard, I would imagine. We'll see, but I mean, with the struggles that the Buffs have, I think it's a it's an easy call to to just take the best lineman in the conference and hope that that solves a lot of your problems. Utah, Utah's next up, and. Again, like you think trenches, they actually had quite a bit of turnover. Let me make sure I'm not going to do something crazy here, and I'm not. We're going tight end. Um, and in particular, we're going with Brant Keithy. Um, they, they, they've had so many good tight ends, and I'm curious if these guys are all going to pan out the next level. I think Cole Fotheringham just left for the NFL. Dalton Kincaid is still there. Brant Keithy's who we're going with because, again, like I think potentially the best tight end in the conference. Um, again, I'm, I might be blanking on somebody, but off the top of my head, I can't think of another. Uh, and you just add that in with Brady Russell, and you're going to be in good shape. You know, all of a sudden, again, if you're looking for identity pieces, if you have Keithy and you have Brady Russell – all of a sudden, you're you're helping out that offensive line. You you know that you can run outside if you just put them out there, kind of wing formation type deals, and it allows you some flexibility in terms of the receivers, right? Because you only have to put two on the field on third downs. You'll put others out there, whatever. But you at least have this this base formation that you should be able to perform pretty well out of. Um, you hope that the rest of the line holds up so you have some sort of diversity, right? So if you put two tight ends out there, you're not just running behind those two tight ends. If that's what happens, though, you're still probably in better shape than the Buffs were last year. Um, yeah, that's that's what we're going to be going with here. Um, Washington teams. Washington first. <sighs> Again, like, Penix comes in, another quarterback. All these guys have quarterbacks, but we're not... 
allowing that to happen. I think that to me, it's a pretty easy answer. You go with Zion Tupul, sorry, Zion Tupul Fatui. He was hurt last year, so I'm a little out of practice with the name. Uh, but he is a a one of the premier edge rushers. And again, we talked about they're a little bit deep at edge rusher. If you put him on your team, though, just potentially give yourself the best pass rusher in the Pac-12, and I think probably a lock to be top three, that can change things for you. And all of a sudden, again, there's an identity. There's your best pass rusher. Now is Guy Thomas breaking out? Is Terrence Lang taking the next step? You have a couple of paths to having a really great pass rush. And again, could play the run game as well. Um, Edifuan Ulafosio, the inside linebacker, might be a little bit better fit. I don't think he's quite as good of a player, but I, I, I might even be in the minority in saying that. So he would also be a, a solid option, but I really like Zion Tupuola Fatui, ZTF as we call him. Um, Washington State to wrap things up. You know, this is this is another one that I think is kind of tough. We're going, yeah, yeah. We'll we'll go with Ron Stone Jr. He's a senior veteran defensive lineman. He's been around for obviously quite a while. Uh, five sacks last year. Maybe not the biggest need for for Colorado. I I don't know that you could play him inside either. I don't know that you could play him inside. I don't think he's big enough. And so you'd push Terrence Lang inside. I'm second-guessing myself now. Um, Armani Marsh is another good option. Uh, a cornerback, I should say, probably fits best in the slot. Um, I think they actually used him more. No, they used him in the slot quite a bit. They used him in the slot quite a bit. Um, I... You know, we're, we're taking the best football player. The Buffs are not in a position where they can be passing up on the best football player. Ron Stone Jr., I mean, he did a lot of things. 43 tackles as a as a defensive end is really solid. Um, 41 run stops. I guess stops in general, so that would include the, the five sacks. Six sacks. Sorry, I actually got that wrong. Um, yeah, we feel good about it. We feel good about it. Ooh, and to wrap things up, I just had this idea. We're going to, we're going to take somebody from Colorado, too. We're going to we're going to say we get two of somebody. Who do you want two of if you were to go through this whole roster? Um, RJ Sneed is obviously a solid option um, just because then all of a sudden you have two veteran receivers. No reason to multiply quarterbacks, running backs. Um, if you're going to multiply alignment, if you're going to add another, it's probably Casey Roddick. Defensively, another Jalen Sami would really clog things up inside. Another guy, Thomas, would allow you. You probably start running a three-four. Honestly, I guess that that might be what you do with some of those other additions that seem like they backlog things. Um, Isaiah Lewis is tempting, but again, like it just feels like Kalen Moore. If you if you add another one of him, isn't that just like having Kalen Moore and Nico Reed? There's some similarities there. I don't know that you have that big-time impact player. I mean, guy Thomas, Jalen Sami, Terrence Lang. Uh, Terrence wasn't quite productive enough last year. I don't think to add him. Is it another guy, Thomas, another Jalen Sami? Honestly, it's probably another Casey Roddick. That's what I come back to. Or RJ Sneed. But yeah, I think I think you take another Casey Roddick. Unless, unless you want another one of the Iceman. I could I could go for two cold backers. I'll say that. Um that's it for today. That's it for today. I've got to get in the shower before my girlfriend gets here. She hates when I don't do that. Um so uh we're going to wrap things up, leave it at that, and I'll be back tomorrow to talk about 
something. Definitely, definitely the Avs because the Avs are definitely going to win, and I'm going to be pretty happy about it. So we'll we'll talk about that in something Buffs related too. See you then.